Mina Montessario wipes the sweat from her brow. She stares at the metal skeleton lying on the floor of her room, surrounded by a sea of cogs, springs, and assorted metal parts. Scraps, she calls it, and scraps it most certainly is. This thing is supposed to be her greatest work, her wildest leap of technological innovation, a bipedal machine powered by a fusion of arcanicity and mechanical engineering, a machine that can walk, respond to verbal commands, even fight in her defence, serve as her protector. She has been tinkering with this thing for months, building on ideas that have been gestating for years. But something is missing, something vital that prevents the automaton from coming to life. She has tried everything she can think of, rerouting the circuitry, calibrating the runes, replacing the core crystals. Nothing has worked. The automaton has either remained inert and silent, or, as during her last attempt, has exploded spectacularly. She feels a surge of frustration and despair. She has poured so much of herself into this project, hoping to honour her father's legacy, hoping perhaps, in some small way, to redeem her name. Ever since her father's death in that laboratory explosion, an explosion caused by a man Mina has long suspected of operating on the orders of others, she has been shunned and scapegoated by the rest of the Montessario family. Though no one has ever made any direct accusations, she senses that in some way they blame her for the Baron's death. Mina knows they are wrong. She knows that he was proud of her talent and her passion. She had learned technomancy at his side, and he had praised her aptitude and encouraged her to pursue her own ideas and inventions. After his death, she had recovered his personal journal and found therein a treasure trove of discoveries and secrets, a connection to the man forever stolen from her. Stumped, she opens that journal now and flips through the pages, hoping to find some clue or hint that might help her solve the puzzle of her automaton. She has read it countless times before, but she always comes back to it, drawn by the hope of gleaning something new from the dense, impenetrable text. She stops at a well-thumbed page, a description of a device that might store and transmit promotional residue. It might be possible, her father's notes postulate, to capture the essence of one's feelings, one's emotional core, within a crystal matrix. She has the device in question, a small metal box with wires and crystals attached to it. It was one of the few things that had survived the explosion. She had found it among the rubble of the laboratory, along with the journal. She has never dared to use the experimental technology herself, of course. The risks are enormous, and she has always been justifiably afraid of what she might feel, or what she might lose. She glances at the pile of scraps again, and a crazy idea strikes her. What if she used the device on the automaton? What if she transferred some of her own emotions into this inanimate thing? Could that be what her creation needs to activate? A spark of life? A touch of humanity? She hesitates for a moment, weighing the risks anew, now that there is reward to balance against them. She knows that this could backfire spectacularly. It could fry her mind or drain her of all feeling. 
She knows she could be hurt or changed in ways she can't possibly predict or reverse. But she knows also that if she wants Scraps to come online, she has to try something different, something bold, something personal. The sun has long since set by the time that Cadmus returns. He looks worried, but Mina is too excited to notice. I think I've cracked it, Cadmus. Look! She triggers a series of control runes, and the gleaming pile of mechanical parts stiffens, then begins to unfold, metal vertebrae in the spine clicking one by one into place. Arms extend to either side. Steel fingers find perches on the ground. It stands bipedal, the head lolling at first, then snapping to attention, yellow eyes staring fixedly at Mina. It works, Cadmus. It works! Hello and welcome to The Lone Adventurer, an actual play solo RPG podcast with me, Carl White. I will be your narrator, your games master, and your guide as we follow our heroes on their journey into the unknown. For this game, I will be using the Iron Sworn Starforge ruleset, as well as a variety of other systems, tools, and tables as they take my fancy. A word of warning, the following scenes may contain mature themes and disturbing imagery. Listener discretion is advised. The adventure continues. Last time on The Lone Adventurer. Mina entered the mind of the gradually awakening Doomspire in an attempt to learn more about the tower's mysterious origins and purpose. Instead, she roused part of the tower, a part that seized her mechanical companion, Barbican. And it did far worse than that. A fragment of the Doomspire's consciousness invaded the automaton, examining its surroundings and resolving to destroy the intruders. Eagle-eared listeners will recognise where and when that flashback took place in a rendered room in the Missing Link Tavern way back in Season 1, Chapter 8. You may recall that throughout Mina's adventures, we've touched from time to time on Mina's father, slowly gathering hints about who he was and how and why he died. In Series 1, Chapter 10, Mina said this, I don't believe for one minute that the man who killed my father was some deranged malcontent acting alone, as it was claimed. It was all too convenient. My father was in the way, you see, preventing the prosecution of war on ethical grounds, a war that ultimately was waged once he was dead and the rest of his family disgraced. A war that made Alexis, among others, very wealthy indeed. The bitterness is plain in her voice. This is a wound that has never healed. She glances over at Cadmus. A story for another day. And in chapter 18 of that same season, I said this about Mina. It's nice to do a little internal exploration, uncovering what makes her tick. As well as unresolved feelings over her father's death, guilt is clearly a big factor, as we saw in her reaction to the fire in the spot, 
and now to Antiope's death. Guilt and self-recrimination, but suppressed and also unresolved. Perhaps there is a closer link between that aspect of her character and her father's death than I'd realised. We've not really explored that much further since, so when I did my beginner session move for this episode and it popped up with a flashback reveals an aspect of your background or nature, in the context of Barbican being taken over by the Doomspire and followed by a perchance oracle action and theme result of waste personal, a combination of the Clanker's creation and a further dip into Bina's family history seemed like just the thing. We'll find out how this little revelation might play into our story in a moment, but before we do, I wanted to say a quick thanks and to redress an oversight on my part. Chapter 4 had dropped, and I already had episode 5 in the can, when both Hexworld and the inimitable Dan Sims reached out to say nice things about the post credit scene from Chapter 4. Which was A, very gratifying, but B, a reminder that I'd completely forgotten to talk about that scene in Chapter 5. Whoops. So, thank you, Dan and Hexworld, both for the nice feedback and for the reminder. Let's address that oversight now. Those who stuck around to the end of Chapter 4 will have heard that post credit scene featuring Digby, Alexis and the dashing super-spy, Rex Volt. The scene came about as the result of a random result on my perchance oracle. Chapter 4 had ended up a little bit short, and so I figured I'd ask the Oracle for a suggestion for a post credit scene, and pop that in. The prompt perchance gave me was a bit of a corker. It said, The event relates to a new NPC. They are bold, fast, and determined. Their canoe profile is 4 for conscientiousness, 3 for agreeableness, 1 for neuroticism, 1 for openness, and 1 for extroversion. And if required, here is a Starforged action and theme, Transform Rival. And as well, here is a Starforged descriptor and focus, Damaged Creation. On top of that, I asked which faction this person was linked to, if any. And the answer? House Montessario. You may remember that the Canoe NPC Generator is a way that I devised to describe any personality in five digits, ranging from one to five. Well, I'd built that generator into my perchance oracle, and in turn, it had given me an NPC. And now it was time to piece that person together from those numbers. Here's the sort of character traits that fit in with the numbers that were generated. My NPC was a person who spends time preparing, finishes important tasks right away, pays attention to detail, deals well with stress, rarely feels sad or depressed, doesn't worry much, is very relaxed, does not enjoy new things, dislikes abstract or theoretical concepts, prefers solitude, dislikes making small talk, and carefully thinks things through before speaking. I thought about who this NPC could possibly be in light of the known Montessario family, the spymaster, and his secretary, and the House of Whispers. And then, a series of dominoes toppled in my mind, and I knew exactly who my NPC was. I have to confess, I found writing that post credit scene immensely enjoyable. Mechanically, what that scene has done is bring about the creation of a campaign clock. In Starforged, a campaign clock is used to track the progress of a campaign element taking place outside of the character's line of sight. In this case, the clock is called Rex in Pursuit, and with each beginner session move that I make, 
I'll be checking to see if that clock advances. If it fills up, well, we'll have to see if there's enough of Mina left for that to matter, won't we? Eradicate. Mina feels a cold flush of terror as Barbican begins to rise, the familiar lines of her construction subtly altered by the invasive machine intelligence of the Doomspire. Form, as well as function, have been twisted into something new. This hybrid creation of modern technomancy and something altogether more ancient, far more alien, more benevolent. And yet this still is Barbican. Still her creation, at least in some part. And if that is true, then there is some part of this thing now standing before her, this collection of wires and steel, that is her. The part of herself that turned an inanimate pile of scraps into Barbican, her protector and her companion, must surely be there still, somewhere. Barbican, she begins, and then the automaton's metal hand whips out, claps around her throat and begins to squeeze. Her eyes bulge, her feet kick as she is lifted off the floor. Her efforts to free herself and those of Cadmus are wholly ineffectual. Barbican, she wheezes, fighting for air. It's me! It's Mina! Please! The inexorable mounting pressure comes to a stop as the metal creature gazes at her, its head tilted slightly to one side. Though its features are utterly impassive, it gives the impression of deep contemplation. At last, it speaks. Target Mina Ontisario, manufacturer. Creator. Instigator. Accessing. Legacy directives. Protect the instigator. Obey the instigator. Protect self. Rerouting. Legacy directives. Circumvented. Accessing. Shared component elements with instigator. Self aspect. Intrinsic. Analyzing implications. Accessing. Last in this internal exploration, the automaton releases its grip, letting Mina fall, gasping to the floor. Cadmus is at her side in a moment. Fighting through the pain, she tries to make a connection with her creation. Barbican, if there's any of you left in there, please show it what we are. We're not a threat. We came here looking for help, for information that might help us stop a war. We don't want to fight. The metal man stares at Mina for a long time before it speaks again. Presence unauthorised. Threat level assessment inconclusive. Conclusion continue assessment. Mina and Cadmus both let out long, shuddering breaths of relief, though it is painfully clear they are not out of the woods yet. Glad to hear it, Barbs, Mina says, clambering back to her feet and nudging the looming mechanism in the ribs. Continue assessment. Good plan. You can't go far wrong with more assessment. That's what I always say. Just what I'd do in your shoes. You're a chip off the old block, eh? Two peas in a pod. Even if you are half you and half ancient weapon tower machine brain monster that was intent on choking me to death just a moment ago. You had me quite worried there for a minute. I don't mind telling you. Cadmus side-eyes her, incredulous. Mina shrugs, desperately in, rec- 
Mina shrugs desperately in reply, unsure what to say to this terrifying thing, or, now that she's started, how to stop saying it. Barbican just gazes down at her, unblinking. So, last time, I mentioned that Mina was making a very high-stakes endure stress roll. In addition to the normal mechanical effects, with a strong hit, she would block the Doomspire's attempted infiltration and get Barbican back. On a miss, her metal minion would become an avatar of the Doomspire, wholly controlled by it. And so, of course, I rolled a weak hit. Somewhere in the middle. And so Barbican has become gestalt entity, in part Mina's magical construct, and in part the repository of a fragment of the Doomspire's prodigious machine intellect. The first thing to find out was whether or not this new Doomspire-Barbican hybrid was hostile, and naturally, the Oracle confirmed that it was. That meant that I had no choice but to remove Mina's combat bot asset from her character sheet. Instead, Doom Barbican is now an NPC with rank formidable. That is great news, at least from a rules exploration perspective. Not so much for Mina, obviously. But this new NPC now means that I have the potential to start engaging with a whole new series of moves. The connection moves. Before we got there, I had a couple of things to do first. First off, a secure an advantage move, rolling plus heart, to gain some leverage on Barbie Doom, and to try and get him on side. And of course, I rolled a 4, versus an 8 and a 4. A straight miss. Hand around the throat, time for a choking. But wait, my momentum was at 5. Burning that meant that I was able to turn my miss into a weak hit, giving me a plus 1 on my next roll. Phew. And so now came the really important role. The compel move. This move says, when you try to persuade someone or make them an offer, envisage your approach. If you charm, pacify, encourage or barter, roll plus heart. On a strong hit, they'll do what you want or agree to your conditions. Take plus one momentum. Well, sadly, I only rolled a weak hit. That gives me the benefits I just outlined, but the agreement comes with a demand, or with a complication. I decided that the complication here is that Dumikin has not yet made up his mind whether he's going to smoosh Mina or not. They have a temporary stay of execution while he makes up his mind. Still, it could be a lot worse. At least she's not in imminent danger of death. Now it is time to take a step into the world of connections. When you search out a new relationship or give focus to an existing relationship, not an ally or a companion, roll plus heart. On a strong hit, you create a connection. Give them a roll and a rank. Whenever your connection aids you on a move closely associated with their roll, add plus one and take plus one momentum on a hit on a weak hit, as above, but this connection comes with a complication or a cost. Envisage what they reveal or demand. Well, it'll come as no surprise to anyone that I rolled a weak hit, and so Barbican is now a connection for Mina. For now at least, an uneasy truce exists between them, but it seems that that truce is going to come at a price. 
Let's find out what that is, shall we? Mina takes a long, steadying breath. So, you're a doomspire then? The big brain around here? Is there anything left of Barbican in there with you? The metal figure tilts its head to one side as if deep in thought, a very Barbican-like mannerism. Mina can't help but think. I am a gestalt, a hybrid. I am, in part, an avatar of the spire mind, but I am separate from it, limited by this form, shaped by it. I am defined, to some extent, by the form of this primitive construct and by the fabrication that created it. I am both, and I am neither. Mina nods slowly, trying to make sense of what has just happened. That makes sense, I suppose. Well, here's the long and short of it, Barbs. Uh, should I call you Barbs? What would you prefer I call you? The automaton maybe stares at her. Mina shrugs. Well, whatever. As I'm sure you know, if you have access to Barbican's memories, we stopped here to see if we could find a way to turn your reactivation to the advantage of our cause. I'm sorry if that seems a bit mercenary of us, but I'm sure you'll agree our cause is a good one. There's a fleet of ships out there that we need to stop. If we don't, they're going to murder thousands of innocent people, and I'm not about to let that happen. So, what do you say? Will you help us? Barbican stares at her a moment longer, then speaks. Assessment will continue until threat level has been established. Assessment will continue while core systems reinitialize. This unit has been reactivated, and the primary protocol will be followed. This unit? You mean this tower? How did that reactivation happen, and what is this primary protocol? This unit has been reactivated. Trigger event, unknown. Temporal sensors, offline. Primary protocol, construction purpose, eradication. Any interference with the primary protocol will result in eradication. Cadmus throws up his hands. This thing is talking in riddles, Mina. It makes no sense. He lowers his voice. We'll get no help here. We need to leave. A moment, Cadmus. I think it is answering truthfully, at least as best it can. I don't think we're actually talking to the Doomspire, more like some sort of distorted echo of it. When it said it was separate, that Barbican's body had shaped it, I think that meant it's not really wholly part of the tower, at least not anymore. It's become something else, something that has at least part of Barbican and of me still in it. And that part gives us a unique opportunity to gain knowledge. She turns back to her erstwhile protector. What do you mean, Barbican? Eradication of what? What was the tower built for? By whom? And why? There is another long pause. Then the automaton speaks. The Doomspire network was constructed by the minds of the seven progenitors. Seven spires built to act in unison to emit the final signal that would shatter the world. 2.4 million cycles ago, that signal was emitted. The shattering began. The world was torn apart. And then, accessing. 
access to memory core compromised. Outcome inconclusive. Reassessing. This unit has been activated. The remaining six spires will be reactivated also, and the work interrupted shall be concluded. The shattering of the world shall be completed. Well, not to put too fine a point on it, shit. That, I think it's safe to say, is a seriously unfortunate turn of events. Not only has Barbican gone over to the dark side, but it turns out that he and the Doomspire that he represents are intent on the total destruction of the entire chained world. And not in some moustache-twirling, gloating, bond-villain, evil master-plan sort of way, more in a flat, dispassionate, matter-of-fact sort of way, altogether more implacable and more scary. I think I'm going to need to provide a little bit of historical, not to mention ecclesiastical, context to all of this, but that can probably wait until next time. For now, let's take a look at how this little bombshell came about. We started the scene, if you recall, with the consequence of a weak hit on a make-a-connection roll. Mina had made a connection in Hybrid Barbican, but this connection came with the complication or a cost. I decided the most obvious type of complication was to roll on the story complication oracle. And that gave me the following result. Enemy reveals true agenda or nature. Now, normally, that would be pretty straightforward. I just envisage what the evaluation was or use an oracle to help me and away we'd go. But this situation was slightly different. You see, I had an expedition in process to determine exactly that thing. I was only two boxes completed out of ten along my Uncover the Mystery of the Doomspire track, and here was a move result that was just handing me the outcome on a plate. I did have a choice here. I could have ignored the story complication role or reinterpreted it somehow. But that felt like I was kind of weaseling out of the consequences of my actions, and so I decided to ignore that option and instead take a rather harder path. Normally, you have a fair bit of agency on the progress rolls. You can keep on with your expedition until you've filled up enough boxes to stand a good chance of success. But in this case, my hand had been somewhat forced. The story was telling me it was time to make my finish an expedition roll, even though I'd made next to no progress on the track. And so, I rolled. And of course, I rolled a miss. On a miss, your destination is lost to you, or you come to understand the true nature or cost of that expedition. Envisage what happens. Abandon the expedition, envisage the cost of this setback, and pay the price. This left me with the consequence from a weak hit, the true nature of the Doomspire, combined with the consequence of a miss, the true nature of the expedition, and on top of that, I needed to pay the price. Now, at this point, I still really had no idea what that price was, and so first of all, I turned to my perchance oracle, and that gave me the action and theme, Trust Tension. Didn't really help me, and so I plugged those words, along with the story context, into the Bing AI. And here is what the AI said. 
the Doomspire Barbican hybrid reveals that it is part of a network of ancient machines that were once created as a doomsday device. The network deactivated after a catastrophic event that nearly destroyed the world, but this tower has been reactivated thousands of years later and is now intent upon reactivating the network and completing its task. The hybrid tells Mina that if she tries to interfere with its plan or betray its trust, it will not hesitate to eliminate her. Now, the AI had no idea that my game world was one of shattered, floating continents, sundered in some ancient cataclysm. That was just pure coincidence. But with a prompt like that, it was plain to see that I had both fulfilled Mina's immediate expedition and revealed its true nature. All of a sudden, the stakes had been significantly raised. Our heroes now are going to have to deal with the consequences. There is going to be no point preventing that bombing campaign. There's no place left to bomb. We'll have to see how Mina and Cadmus handle this little pickle next time. You have been listening to The Lone Adventurer, a solo RPG podcast played, written, and performed by me, Carl White. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider telling your friends about it or leaving a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. It really is a huge help. You can find me on Twitter at TheLoneADV. You can email me at TheLoneADV at gmail.com or follow my blog at carlillustration.wordpress.com You can find show notes for this episode and all the others at theloneadventurer.podbean.com where I include any links mentioned in the episode as well as mechanics information. I also include a link to a full episode transcript. The story will continue in the next episode of The Lone Adventurer. Thank you for listening.